Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 824 of the Juicebox podcast. Claire is an adult living with type 1 diabetes. She got the diabetes while she was pregnant, and she has an amazing accent. This is pretty much what you need to know to enjoy this episode. While you're listening, please remember that nothing you hear on the Juice Box podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. If you are a U.S. resident who has type 1 diabetes or is the caregiver of someone with type 1, please take the survey at t1dexchange.org forward slash juicebox. It will take you fewer than 10 minutes. It will help you, diabetes research, and me. It's a trifecta of goodness. t1dexchange.org forward slash juicebox. Join the registry, take the survey. That's pretty much all you have to do. You can do it right from your house. Oh, I have unprecedented time left. What should I do with it? I'm so indecisive today. Oh, hell. Now I'm out of time. All right. Hold on a second. This episode of the Juice Box Podcast is brought to you by Touched by Type 1. This is a terrific organization helping people with type 1 diabetes, and all they want is for you to check them out on Facebook, Instagram, or at touchedbytype1.org. This will take you, uh, look, you're on your phone constantly. I know you are, okay? Touchedbytype1.org. Just go look. They're amazing. You're going to get there, and you're going to be like, oh my God, look at all the good stuff they're doing, and that'll be it. Uh, Sorry, the podcast is also sponsored today by AG1 from Athletic Greens. With just one scoop of delicious AG1, I start my day off every day with a green drink that fuels me and tastes good. Athleticgreens.com forward slash juice box. My name is Claire. Um, I'm 35 years old and I was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes um, at 26 weeks pregnant. Are you 25 years old? I'm 35 years old. 35, excuse me. Yeah. How long ago were you pregnant? Uh, so that was September, 2020. Um, I was 26 weeks pregnant at the time and I kind of found out by accident. So I went to the doctor and I just kind of mentioned, Hey, you know, my skin's really itchy. Um, and he sent me in for some other tests, but at the time he was like, you might as well do your gestational diabetes test at the same time. So I went and I did that feeling fine. Like I really didn't have any symptoms looking back. Um, and my blood sugar was 20 MMOL an hour after the, the drink that they give you. Mm-hmm. So um, when he seen that, he knew right away that it wasn't just gestational diabetes. Um, and when I got into the endocrinologist, she decked pretty quickly that my mom was celiac I had thyroid issues, so she kind of knew that everything pointed towards type one right away. So, um, yeah, it was a huge shock. My first pregnancy definitely wasn't something that I was expecting. (laughs) I guess not. What kind of thyroid do you have? Hypo? uh, Hashimoto's? Hypo. Hypo. So I don't like 
how I found out about the thyroid was before I got pregnant, I just got blood work done. Um, and my doctor said that I was borderline. And just because I was trying to get pregnant, let's just put you on some medication. Um, so I was on a really low dose um, that went kind of up in pregnancy. And now it's, I think it's like 0.75 I'm taking daily. Mm-hmm. Um so like I'm just I looked up my last thyroid test here. It's 1.76. I don't know if you know what that means, but I it's certainly in do. the that, range. So um that's your TSH? Yeah. That's my T TSH, yeah. So it says it's in range. I don't know. It's hard. I think that was the hardest thing for me getting diagnosed was there were so many different opinions from doctors especially, that is really hard to know who to listen to and what advice to take. What what was happening? What were people saying? Um, like a lot of stuff was kind of like, no, it can't be. It's not going to be type one. Like it's likely not going to be type one. And just my GP versus what my endocrinologist was saying, even the last time I went to see her was maybe six months ago and she was like I really just don't think it's type one like it's you know you're not on insulin right now like I don't think you know you might never need it um and then just from having a hypo in the hospital I remember when I was in labor one of the nurses telling me that maybe if I didn't drink as much orange juice and I kind of looked after my diet that things wouldn't be so bad and I wouldn't have the diabetes so that was kind of a shock to the system because it's all it's all new and at the time you don't kind of realize that it's out of your control you kind of if you hear a nurse or a doctor tell you something you tend to take what they say seriously and it's kind of you have to develop a thick skin very quickly I find I have a question do you drink in a strange amount of orange juice no I was just drinking a little bit for a hypo when I was in labor in the (laughs) middle of a pandemic with a face mask on not knowing what the hell was happening um, so it was kind of like not the right time, even if it was something caused by diet to even bring it up. But I think <laughs> you don't yeah, think that was a good time. Kinda, <laughs> yeah, like just bedside manners was lacking. And like typically I'd be very quick to kind of, you know, talk back. But I think you're a little bit more vulnerable when you're in that situation as well. Right. Well, Claire, is there anything about you like visually that would make someone think you're not taking care of yourself? No, I don't think so. I mean, unless I'm seeing a different version of myself than everybody else is seeing, but I'm pretty healthy day to day. And um, I don't know, I think like people as well, just sometimes like to have opinions, maybe out of self-importance and kind of don't use tact. And yeah, just when someone's in labor, it's never a good time to say anything to them. Like, just be kind, hold their hand, right? (laughs) I have to be honest. If someone would have said that to me or my wife in that situation, I would have been like, she's leaving that one right there. Get her out. (laughs) That's enough. (laughs) She's got some rock solid orange juice advice here. But other than that, I think I need her to go. Wow, that's that's really interesting. Did that stick in your head or was the moment so crazy you kind of were able to let it go in the moment? Um, I In the moment, I let it go. But after my daughter was born, like that stuck with me because I think just getting the diabetes in pregnancy and then another nurse told me that I was having an anxious reaction to it which I was because like I was terrified right when I found out first my first concern was like okay is my daughter okay like I need to make sure everything's good with her and you feel a lot of guilt right because you're responsible for this little life that's growing inside you so I think it was after it was the postpartum period um and then 
just because taking insulin during pregnancy was so difficult, it felt like I was constantly trying to keep my bloods up. So when people were trying to, like, you think you take insulin to to stop the spikes, to keep your blood down. For me, it felt like that was like the first kind of 20 minutes. And from then onwards, I was constantly eating to try and keep my blood up. Mm -hmm. Um, And at the time I had just kind of come off the internet and everything because I was like, I can't look up any more bad news about diabetes. Like this is awful. I was looking in the wrong places. Um, so I kind of, my idea of what it was like to live with diabetes, I think was very skewed by not understanding the challenges in pregnancy. And then after birth, just going through the process of thinking that I needed it and then not needing it anymore. And then just kind of watching my blood constantly, because I started having hypos after birth. Mm-hmm. Um, but I couldn't feel them. Right. So I had this new, like tiny little baby that was in NICU and she was okay. But when I was like holding her, I put her back in the cot one day and I injected myself with insulin to have lunch. And then all of a sudden my Dexcom is going off saying I'm at 3.6 and I've taken a load of insulin thinking I'm about to eat. Um, and I didn't feel a thing. So for me, that was kind of scary, like not knowing and no, just seeing how quickly like you could drop afterwards. So that kind of stuck with me the first few months with Ava. Then I came off insulin completely. But there was always that fear like this is going to start again. And when will it start? And like my quality of life was so gone for the 10 weeks that I had it during pregnancy. There was a lot of fear around that. So then one day I think I stumbled like, I started looking up on YouTube and, you know, like different people's experiences with diabetes, but I couldn't find anybody that kind of had the lifestyle that I had, which was like a lot of traveling, a lot of hiking, a lot of drinking wine with my friends. Um, And then I stumbled across Jill on this podcast and I was like, okay, there's a me, like I get this. And she had just had a baby and everything. So I think it was from then on, I started like learning a lot more about it and you know how you can manage it and that it is manageable and for me then that was like the starting point of like okay things are going to be okay because the future is like unknown right now because I'm not on insulin um but I know that like it's around the corner I just don't know when yeah I want to dig into it a little bit and I want to find out too just very quickly do you by chance live in the fairy tale land of Duloc and was that nurse a gingerbread man because that's not Maybe, like maybe. maybe it was just all a hallucination. A hallucination is what I'm saying. <laughs> like, I, I think I'm just saying that I love your accent. Really, is what I'm getting. Really? At. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm from Ireland. I live in Canada now. Um, but yeah, that's where my accent is. Mm-hmm. It's it's lovely, and um, I just and you're in Canada. Yeah, I'm in Canada, in Alberta. I've lived here seven years now. So um, I came here with my then boyfriend. He's now my husband. And we have our little Canadian now. Nice. You made a Canadian. (laughs) Yeah, we made a Canadian. She's our little souvenir. (laughs) (laughs) You should have just got one of those pennies. You roll through the thing and it flattens it out. Makes a token. (laughs) Would have been easier, maybe. Um, So I want to just, I want to pick through the entirety of this. So you're... You, you find out that you have hypothyroidism. Have you ever been tested for the antibodies that would tell you if it was Hashimoto's? I don't believe so. Um, would that, like, what benefit would that have? It would let you know that that's an autoimmune issue. Okay. So yeah. it's just something I kind of should look at for my own. Yeah, I might want to know. And and 
And you said there's celiac in your family or do you have it as well? My mom got diagnosed with celiac disease when she was probably in her late 40s, early 50s. Okay, so she has an autoimmune. Anybody else? My aunt has Crohn's. Crohn's, that's autoimmune. All right. Yeah. You. Um, I have the thyroid then. And now I have type 1 diabetes. Yeah, but your, di- but your diabetes doesn't need insulin? No, so... It's L-A-D-A, they call it. It's got a lot of. Um, okay. Yeah, so apparently it's just a slower progressing version of it. Very I much. had never heard of it. Like, I always thought it was just children that got diabetes. Mm-hmm. Um, and there seems to be, like, varying speeds that it progresses at. So since I found out I had it, there's different groups. And, you know, some people are on insulin right away. Some people go years and years without insulin. Um, so I don't know where I fall. I'm on metformin now the last kind of two months and that's helped when I got my COVID vaccine, my blood started to kind of go up and they never kind of came back down. So, um, the metformin is helping. I do spike. I wear my Dexcom all the time so I can kind of see, you know, that I do go higher than I'd want to go. But anytime I get my HbA1c done, it's usually like around the 5.2 mark. Mm -hmm. So what's a spike look like to you? Is it usually after meals or not necessarily? It, it depends. So if I had like oatmeal on its own, I'd probably go up to maybe like 12 or 13. If I have like a little bit of oatmeal with like peanut butter and I have some Greek yogurt, I'll probably stick around like the seven or eight um, and kind of come back down and probably like sit between five and six. Okay. Cause a 13 is like 230. I'm trying to make sure everybody understands. A seven's about 126 and a five would be 90. So if you eat certain foods, you go up to a 13, let's say. How long does it stay up there? Not long. So I think like the longest I've ever been like pretty high like maybe a 14 would probably be like two hours and then it just it comes right back down by itself so where I'm at now is like I kind of know what to avoid to keep my blood in range Mm -hmm. um and I can do that like I've gone through everything because you hear some people say and like this was hard as well as like go low carb and for me especially now because we want to have another baby I'm really nervous about the fact that I'm not on insulin because I don't know what's going to happen those first weeks and there seems to be a lot of stuff out there like if you eat low carb it's really good it'll prolong your honeymoon it'll you know help you and then there's other people saying well low carb is really bad if you're trying to get pregnant so um I'm kind of just somewhere in the middle right now like I I would eat I think like a moderate amount of healthy carbs um and then I obviously just have treats like the odd time I'll have like a couple of beers or ice cream or something, knowing that that will spike me, but that it'll come back down pretty quickly. Okay. Is the plan that one day when it doesn't come back down quickly, you start using insulin? Yeah. I mean, my endocrinologist has been really clear with me that like insulin is definitely in my future. It's just that she doesn't know how far away that will be. She said like, Cause I got the autoimmune, like the antibody test done. So I have the GAD antibodies. Mm-hmm. So she said like, it's just a case of time, but they don't know, like that could be 10 years. It could be a year. Like there's no way to tell. Right. Um, okay. What made you want to come on the podcast? The big thing for me was because like, 
I was so distraught just because of how how I felt um when I was pregnant with the insulin like I felt feel like at the time like I couldn't exercise I couldn't you know do all the things that I wanted to do because my blood was just constantly going down and I really felt at the time that like oh god like my quality of life is gone like what am I going to do it took me like one recommendation to hear the podcast just to kind of have a change in perspective and understand that like things were going to be okay um so I think just for me like there might be somebody there might just be like one person out there in the same situation and maybe they just need to hear that someone else has been through the same thing or find something like relatable between our stories and just kind of know like that there's support and that there there is like a light at the end of the tunnel like being pregnant isn't the best time to get diagnosed I think with anything yeah um you know and especially because you go through all these like postpartum issues as well and at the time you don't realize that your hormones are going completely crazy um but just I think it's just really helpful and anybody that I hear of now that you know I know that they have diabetes or that they're struggling with diabetes I'm like you need to listen to the juice box podcast like just listen to it um and you just I just I don't know I think it's like before diabetes like you'd really want to meet like a rock star or somebody famous and I'm like oh my god I get to meet like the the owner of the juice box podcast like this is amazing right like you're like Bono like (laughs) well I appreciate that because because you're Irish and because you said Bono that seems like it's a big deal to me um well thank you I it's an honor to meet you as well I'm very happy to hear your story and i I want to understand a little more. So 26 weeks, what's the first sign that makes somebody think you have gestational at that point? So looking back now, I would wake up in the middle of the night thirsty, maybe for about two weeks before I went to the doctor. Okay. But I had two colleagues around me at the same time that were pregnant and they were thirsty all the time. They needed to pee all the time. They were tired all the time. Um, so I didn't really know anything. Like I wasn't tired. I had good energy. When I say I was thirsty, it was like I'd wake up in the middle of the night once, need to go to the washroom and drink water. And that would be me fine until the morning. It was the the itchy legs that kind of sent me to the doctor Um, and he, it was honestly all by chance. Like he thought it was something to do with my liver. And he just said, Hey, get your diabetes blood work done at the same time. And then because it came back high, he was like, okay, we need to, to look at this further. How much did your legs itch? Um, like they were pretty bad actually. Yeah. I kind of felt like my skin was crawling. Um, and apparently that's like common. There's some condition you can get with your liver in pregnancy that can cause that, Um, but like a lot of people, and that's another thing, like just trust your gut. Cause a lot of people were like, oh, itching is normal in pregnancy. It's fine. It's just part of it. But I I think that probably was a symptom of the diabetes just kind of coming through. Were you retaining a lot of water? No, No, you were peeing a lot. No, no. Honestly, like the, the week before I was diagnosed, I was up at 5am in the morning and I didn't get to bed, I think until like midnight that night. And I was like active, like there was, I was flying it like I was in the best health of my life mm-hmm. so I wasn't expecting yeah. for um anything to be going on underneath the surface well you got lucky with the doctor being so thorough so 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 lucky um and even just like with my endo because I've I've known of a lot of people since then that 
are either told it's just gestational and it's kind of forgotten about. And I know of an awful lot of people as well that are given the wrong diagnosis of type two. So they spend years kind of battling with diet and, you know, trying to to sort it out, thinking it's, you know, something to do with what they're doing when it's actually just misdiagnosed type one as well. So I was really blessed. Yeah, no, I mean, that's what I keep thinking when you're talking like this guy could have said, oh, she's probably just retaining water and you're itchy and whatever, or, or could yeah. have just said, oh, okay, well, let's go test for this thing that he was thinking about, about the liver. And then that would have come back negative and he would have been like, oh, your legs itch. But instead, yeah. man, went for it, like just did the right thing. He knew, but so it's really weird because when I got um, my first visit with him, he was like, so let's talk about your liver. And I was like, what are you talking about? And he was like, oh, your hepatitis. And I was like, no, I don't have hepatitis. Like, I know I don't. I've had the injections, like I've traveled all over the world. Um, but he was actually like uh, a consultant, like a specialist. And I guess somebody messed up a blood result and got confused. So I landed in with him. So it was just funny how it worked out that yeah. he was a specialist in pregnancy with conditions. Um, and that's probably why he picked up on it as well so quickly. Did they say cholestasis when they were talking about your liver? Maybe. I can't even can't remember. remember. It's the only thing I can yeah. find while you're talking. C-H-O-L-E-S-T-A-S-I-S of pregnancy um, is a liver condition that occurs in late pregnancy. Uh, condition yeah, so apparently it's common. Like triggers, it's a, yeah, intense itching without a rash. How about that? Yeah, so, and it's your first pregnancy, so you have no idea what's going on. Like, you're really just kind of on a wing and a prayer, right? Yeah, but in, so when they got your blood sugar under control, so what, when they got your blood sugar under control, did the itching go away? Yeah, it did. It did when I was on insulin, Um, and it hasn't really come back. I had it back for a little while uh, postpartum, but I think that was just hormones, like just dry skin. Mm -hmm. Okay, so. So once he gets this test back, he starts you on what? 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 What's the medications like? Does he use a basal insulin or just a long acting and fast acting? Right away. Um. Right away. Yeah. So I met with the endocrinologist in the hospital the same day. I think when I was diagnosed, my HbA one C was like eight point eight. Look, if you're anything like me, you eat like a monster, a garbage monster, and then you lie to yourself and you say, no, I eat fine. Well, I realized one day that's not true and I should stop acting like it is. If I'm not going to eat the way I'm supposed to, at least I could take a green drink and it would help me. And I tried a couple and they tasted like uh, hot garbage. So uh, I stopped doing it until I found AG1 from Athletic Greens. And I'm I'm swearing on a stack of Bibles. It tastes good. And trust me, if it didn't, I wouldn't be able to drink it. I, I, I'm that person. Anyway, AG1 is lifestyle friendly, whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free. It has less than one gram of sugar per serving, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals, or artificial anythings. It supports better sleep quality and recovery, and I take it because I don't think I'm getting enough vitamins in my diet. To make things even more interesting for you, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com forward slash juice box. Again, that's athleticgreens.com forward slash juice box. Take ownership over your health 
and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. That's what I did. You could do it too. There are links in the show notes of your podcast player and links at juiceboxpodcast.com to Athletic Greens, Touched by Type 1, and all of the sponsors. When you use my links, you're telling the advertisers that you found out through the podcast. And when you do that, they keep buying ads. And when they keep buying ads, I get to keep making the podcast and you get to listen to the podcast for free. Isn't that great? athleticgreens.com forward slash juice box touched by type one.org a second ago when i said that's what i did and you could do it too i heard uh the tony stark quote from the original iron man movie that's how dad did it that's how america does it and it's worked out pretty well so far anyway that has nothing to do with this let me get you back to claire When I was diagnosed, my HbA1c was like 8.8. So like not like hugely over. I think they say like don't go over seven when you're trying to get pregnant. I believe is what you're kind of told. Um, So they started me on long acting and short acting right away. Um, And my goal was to get under 6.8 mmol two hours after eating. So like I would eat, my blood would spike, but as long as it would come under the 6.8 after eating, I was told that was okay. But now I'm kind of like, like I didn't know about pre-bolusin. I didn't know about like there was no kind of, you know, play around with your insulin, like figure it out yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, I was very much just kind of like doing what I was told, but then constantly feeling like I was trying to, keep balls in the air that was my blood sugar and it would just it was always dropping like I couldn't I remember one day just even going across the road to go into winners and I was fine leaving the office and then I was having like a hypo before I even got to the door of winners so that's it was just like constantly up and down there was no balance can I be honest with you for a second yes your accent is so delightful that (laughs) I have trouble even wanting to ask you a question. I'm just so happy listening to you speak. And I know that really? this is not something you're aware of, but some, but you're, listen, I've, you're not the first person I've spoken to with an Irish accent, right? My favorite thing about it is when you say HBA1C because it comes out HBA1C. Like that, go ahead, say it for everybody right now. HBA1C. I love it. It's my favorite thing. That's hilarious because I think I sound like a 12-year-old. Like, my voice is so high-pitched. <laughs> you sound like you're about to grant me a wish in a field. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> but but it's the hate. Like, if I just spell it, it's like H-A-A-E-C-H-H. And then the B is like B-E-E, but it goes on forever. And then the A1C comes out very quickly. Do it one more time. HBA1C. It's my best thing. I, you've made my whole day. Thank you for. <laughs> but I'm glad. I don't even care if your story's true at this point. <laughs> Although, what an odd thing to make up. Um, right. Yeah. So you make it through the last months of the pregnancy pretty well. I guess their expectations were. I'm guessing that they're not going to teach you the ins and outs of diabetes that that much, and you've only got a couple more months to go. And that they probably imagine that when you're, I don't know, they're not thinking, are they thinking Lada or are they, are they thinking type one at that point? Like, I'm trying to figure out when yeah, they, they did didn't, your. They didn't really know. Like, they had no idea what would happen. And yeah, they were, because the first hypo that I had was really horrible. Um, and I didn't know, like, what to expect and it frightened me. Mm. So for a long time, I was more afraid of hypos than 
spikes. Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, like the nurses were really supportive and they kind of just kind of got me through at a safe level. And we knew that my daughter was okay. You know, she wasn't like too much overweight, like, thank God, all of her organs, like everything was fine. Mm-hmm. Um, so they just got me kind of through the pregnancy. The labor was really easy. Like I didn't know any different. They just hooked me up to a drip. Um, like I didn't even look at my blood sugar. They were monitoring it and it was fine. Um, and then after birth, my blood was spiking when I was eaten. So they had me, you know, oh, so that's the other thing, like towards the end of pregnancy, my insulin resistance obviously like just dropped. So my insulin needs dropped. Yeah. So they brought me into the hospital thinking it was a placental failure, but I guess it was just that towards the end of the pregnancy, you don't need as much insulin. Um. So I think I was like down to like one unit of long acting. Yeah. That's um, been everybody's story so far, right? As it, as it begins to end, and then, boom, a lot of the ladies say that as soon as you deliver the placenta, your insulin needs change. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, so that was and then but I went straight back on insulin after birth because I was eating and my blood was spiking. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, a couple of days later, like I was just going low all the time. So they took it off me completely. Um, and I still like I go through phases like I'll go through like maybe a couple of weeks where my blood just runs higher. Like after my covid vaccination, it was running higher um you know if I'm sick I run higher if I'm stressed I can run higher so it's kind of just like riding the waves and just kind of see kind of what happens tell me again in the process where did the antibody testing happen right away like literally the day that I went into my endo because okay um they knew just because of the autoimmune diseases and then she also said just kind of by looking at me I didn't like I was pretty slender um, so they kind of thought like just to search for type one right away. Mm-hmm. No, no. I remember you saying that now. It just, it slipped my mind for a second. You really are. You have me at a disadvantage because I, <laughs> I, if we went on a date, I would just be like, oh, it's fine. Claire, say whatever you want. I'm just going to sit here. I, I have a hard time wanting to even speak while you're speaking. I it's, wish my husband felt like that. <laughs> yeah, he, he's not going to do that. But that, that's because uh, to him, you sound like his mom probably. I probably do. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of, yeah. <laughs> I agree with you. <laughs> yeah. To me, it's just delightful. Uh, I, you know, I feel like Shrek and Donkey are going to walk out of the woods soon and we're all going to go on an adventure <laughs> together. It's really fantastic. It's hilarious. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> it's wonderful. The Metformin, when did they, like, when did that start? That started two months ago. So just, yeah, after the COVID vaccination, my blood's kind of, they were just sticking around like the 10 mm. OL mark mm-hmm. constantly. Um, and that was maybe kind of for a period of two weeks. So um they were my endo was just open to try and metformin because it kind of like it has helped other people with LADA. Um and it has helped me. Like I definitely um I'm back in the range I was before starting it. And I even can kind of eat, like I'll get away with having a slice of toast on its own now, whereas beforehand that would kind of spike me. So um, I haven't had any side effects with it or anything. It's just been easy for me to take. He went right. Um, he went right to the metformin. He didn't say maybe more insulin, or did you not use more insulin because you were still experiencing times when you don't need it? I'm still experiencing times where I don't need it, um, and also like I don't really. I want to avoid going on insulin just for as long as I can, um, like. I have a really busy toddler right now. Like she's running around everywhere. I know that if I started on insulin now, like my blood still goes, like there's sometimes my blood is down like 
at five or like 4.8. So mm-hmm. I just feel like I'd rather go on insulin when my blood is higher that I kind of know that I need it. And maybe I don't have to deal with hypos as much because they kind of frighten me a little bit. It's interesting, isn't it? How this process changes you because a 4.8 is an 86. And yeah. if I was wearing a CGM and my blood sugar was always 86, I'd be so happy. Yeah. Right. But and it's not always like it, it'll go there for a little while. And then it's usually kind of around the five and six mark. Right. But your your concern is, I'm imagining, that if you were using insulin, you would it would be difficult for you to maintain this this 4.8 and that you might get you start getting low at a time where you're trying to raise. So you're just kind of trying to cheat the system for a little while, right? Like I'm just, trying to cheat the system for a little while. Like I just I want to, you know, like learn how to be a mom first with my daughter. Like that was the biggest thing as well after birth was just not having to manage learning about insulin whilst trying to learn how to be a mother. (laughs) That's kind of where I was at. And just like the freedom as well, right. That I have now, like I'll go for drinks with my husband. And like, I know that once I start insulin, there'll be a learning curve there that I'll have to learn how to navigate all those different things in my life. So um, yeah, that's kind of like the longer I can avoid it, the better. So are you, What's my question? It seems like you're in, in a really interesting place, right? Because someone's told you, look, at some point, you're going to have type 1 diabetes full-blown. But for now, it's lo- it, I mean, it's LADA, so it's taking forever and ever. But one one day, you're going to have that, that insulin need. Is that yeah. comforting and you're slipping into it slowly? Or is it upsetting and you wish it would have just come on all at once three years from now? Um. After the birth of my daughter, the first six months, it was really upsetting because I had my CGM and I was always watching my blood go up. And if it spiked at all, I was kind of thinking, oh, my God, tomorrow is going to be the day. Tomorrow is going to be the day. I'm not ready. Now I've just gotten more used of the idea of it. And I'm kind of grateful for the time that I have now that I don't have to kind of stress about it. Yeah. Um. How long, mean, did it, I don't know. how long did it take for the panic part to go away? Oh, gosh, like a good six months, six months after my daughter was born, for sure. Like, because I felt guilty for her as well. Like, I was struggling with nursing. And then, um, oh, gosh, some other <laughs> nurse had said to me, like, you know, if you breastfeed, like, it's really going to help, like, her maybe not get diabetes down the road and that kind of thing. And, of course, like, I believed that straight up. So I killed myself to make sure that I could nurse her. Um, so I just, yeah. And the fear as well around her getting it was kind of, was pretty strong, but I think as well, you know, that's, I might've never had diabetes and still felt like that. Like that could have just been postpartum and the middle of a pandemic. So, um, but I definitely think like, it just makes you stronger as a person as well. And more appreciative. Like one thing I'm very glad about is that I know how vulnerable your health is earlier on in life rather than finding out about something when you're 60 or 70. Like I try to live more purposeful now and I kind of try to appreciate what I have rather than kind of worrying about silly things. Um, So, yeah, I don't know. Like there's good and bad to it. Yeah. Uh, Were you breastfed as a baby? Um, No, no. I see. No, I wouldn't have been. But I mean, like, once I kind of realized then, like, look, if breastfeeding cured diseases, like half the population wouldn't be 
sick, right? Yeah, there's that thing, right? Like it, it's everywhere. You know what I mean? Like you see, like a, I don't know, you see something, and you're like, yeah, there's this uh, tea you drink. Every all the famous people in Hollywood drink it. It's why they're so thin. I'm like, well, that, if that was the answer, you just think we all don't yeah. know about that? <laughs> exactly. Like, exactly. Not that it's wrong to do. I mean, breastfeeding's wonderful. It's just to your point. It's not. It. it, it I mean, there are plenty of people in the world who have diabetes and were breastfed. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, and then after the kind of six months, I kind of got a little bit more used to it. I do get nervous. I have blood work coming up now next week. So I always kind of get a little bit anxious about that just beforehand to see, like, is this the time that I'll go back on insulin? But um, I don't know. Like, it is what it is, right? There's definitely worse things to have. Yeah. Have you reconciled yourself with the fact that the big shift hasn't come yet? Uh, at moments, yes. And then there's other moments that I panic and I'm like, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. So um, like I, I tend to kind of overvalue things. So we're going on holidays back to Ireland soon. And I'm like, this has to be the best trip ever because this might be my last trip home without insulin. And I kind of turn them into like you know, put too much pressure to make them into really big, good events. And then I just kind of need to talk it out with my husband. And he's like, look, like, you're still going to have the good holiday on insulin. Like, you're still going to do all the things you want to do. It's just going to be a learning curve. So, yeah. um, yeah, it's just, I mean, I think that's just human nature as well, right? Like, you get a bit panicky about the unknown. It's funny how we um, ascribe, like, I don't know, like it was better here or, you know, I want to do it this way without that. Or, I mean, that's just an interesting, it, you're going to have plenty of holidays. that are going to be just as wonderful as the one you're about to have. And, yeah, and exactly. You'll, and you'll have them and you'll be, you know, you'll be using insulin and have type one and it'll be the way that, you know, other people think of it. You'll be using basil all the time and injecting for everything you eat and, and you're still going to have a wonderful vacation. Um, that's it. And I think yeah. that's where the podcast helped as well, because my version of diabetes was always just up and down, up and down, up and down. So then when I started listening to people's stories and seeing that, like, they could live their day to day lives and just stay steady, I was like, oh, it's not actually what I think it is. Right. Like, I didn't actually realize that it, it was something you could have a totally normal life with. Like when I was pregnant, I thought, okay, this is it. I literally just have to try and keep my blood up for the rest of my life. Like that's what I'm going to spend my time doing. But I didn't realize like there was hormones at play and there was all these other like skills that you could do like pre bolusing and just reducing your basil if you're exercising and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. No, it, it, it's, it, it sucks because, because that is at its core right now, what diabetes is like once you get type one, and you're given insulin and someone doesn't tell you how the insulin works, you're already mismatched. You're unbalanced, right? Like you're going to yeah. see spikes and crashes and spikes and crashes. And then that only has to happen for a certain, certain amount of time before you accept it as your reality. And then yeah. if you don't have a physician who will step in and say, no, 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 it's, it, it's not, it doesn't need to be like that. We just have to, we have to move some things around here and make it work better. Then that's it. You go off and live your life like that. And you can, yeah. and that is, I mean, you've watched it over and over again with people who've come on who've had diabetes for decades. It's, it's draining. It takes it out of you and eventually you lose your fight. And then and you, that's like what I couldn't imagine. Cause like we've, we're backpackers. Like we love traveling to like far flung places. And I, at the time as well, everyone was like, you know, you're going to be a mom. Like, oh, this is going to change. But that wasn't registering in my head. I was like, 
how am I going to go to like South America and like carry my insulin and be up and down all the time and not be like, I really thought like, oh my God, my life has changed forever. Yeah. Um, so then it was kind of just when I went on, I think as well, like on the internet, like there's a lot of bad stuff and a lot of, you know, stuff you should just stay away from. Like it was so refreshing to just find the podcast and hear people that had strategies, like actual strategies to get over the hurdles. And there was something you could do about it. You just weren't listening to people like complain about how hard it was. Like there's ways to fix it. So I think that was really helpful. Yeah, I think in fairness, I take your point and I agree with you. But in fairness to the internet, everyone's just exchanging their experiences, right? They're just saying, this is what's happening to me right now. And, you know, we just talked about it a second ago, the up and down nature and not knowing how insulin works and it feeling fait accompli, like this is just what's going to happen. That's that that's people getting into that spot and then going out online and being like, I can't believe this is what my life is. Yeah. And the problem is that the next newly diagnosed person that sees that thinks, oh, we'll see. That is what diabetes is. Yeah. And then there's a, a different group of people who I'm trying hard to influence which, you know, I want them to say, oh, it turns out if I pre-bolus my meal a little bit or understand how insulin works or how fat impacts your blood sugar, like these things, um, that that doesn't need to be the case. I mean, you're still putting in all the same work. You just have to put it in different places so you get better outcomes. It's just, um, it's just the nature of the internet. So you can't be, not that you're mad, but you can't be upset that people share their their wonky experiences because it's the same platform that allows me to share my experiences. Yeah. It you know would what I mean? just be helpful. Maybe like when you get the little booklet that you get from the hospital, like the first line is just like, go to the juice box. That would probably just help everybody. You were very nice to say that if you would just use some of your leprechaun magic and make that happen, then right? we could be fine. I'll just cure diabetes. <laughs> yeah. You don't seem willing to do that. So it's fine. Um, <laughs> Where, where are some places you've hiked that you just were like, oh, I can't do this anymore? Well, because I would like go low just by walking, like we're where we are in Alberta, we're right beside the Rocky Mountains. So we, um, we would hike up there a lot. Like we, for our honeymoon, we were in the Middle East. And like, I remember reading about Syria. We, we visited, um, Syria when we were going through there and just like people, like if you have diabetes there, you, most people don't have access to insulin. Like they don't have access to the care that they need. And I just like that hits you as well. Like, especially when you have a child and you're like, oh my gosh, like I'm so lucky that I live where I live, that I have access to, you know, what I have access to because there's people like, and I just like, that's disgraceful in this day and age as well, that there are people that don't have access to to the care that they need to help them with a disease that's like all over the world. But for me, I was like, well, I can't imagine go back to these places on holidays now. But um, yeah, we'll see. I mean, I've a toddler now, so I can't really imagine going anywhere on a peaceful holiday. Yeah, it's not going to happen. Claire. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, your life's over. I mean, you understand, right? Yeah, I'm like, yeah. I was like daydreaming. I was like, oh, I'd love to be by a pool in Mexico. And I was like, no, that would actually be horrific. Yeah. Think of having a baby as a job that lasts like, I'm going to say like 25 years at its real core and that you're always thinking like, oh, I can't wait till the weekend comes. But then the weekend just (laughs) never comes. Right. And then one day where I'm at right now, believe it or not, I'm there. This is the weekend for me. My son is graduating from college in three days. 
And so, you're probably heartbroken. Oh, the whole thing's terrible, first of all. He shouldn't be this old, and this shouldn't be happening, and I don't want him to leave and go places and all that stuff. That's not my point. My point is, is that I fe- I'm at the weekend. I got there, right? I had a baby 22 years ago. I've been waiting for the weekend. The weekend's here. It's still not a weekend. It's still not a no, weekend. It's, yeah. The weekend's never coming. Unless you're going to go get loaded somewhere and check out and ignore your children, this is the game, Claire. So that's not gonna. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I wouldn't change it for the world, though. Like it is, it's the best thing. And even knowing, like, if I was to do it all over again and know that I was going to get diabetes, like, I would do it a hundred times over. I agree with you. I would. I would as well. You, I mean, do you think the pregnancy threw you into the lotta? They like nobody can tell me. Like, I know that my blood work was normal in previous years. Um, I guess. Like, I, I mean, you pee on a stick like 500 times when you're pregnant, right? Like, nothing ever came up mm. about high blood sugar. So I really don't, I have no idea. Like, maybe it was just there in the background. I know your insulin requirements go up when you're pregnant. Or maybe the pregnancy just triggered it. Like, I don't, yeah, I don't I'm not know. sure. It's funny. I mean, we don't think of it that way. Like, some, some people get gestational and then never develop diabetes afterwards, too. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, I so, don't know. I mean, it's an interesting thing. I'm going to have to see if I can't find out. I mean, we talk about all kinds of other things that, you know, move your, move your immune system towards, you know, doing the wrong thing. I've never heard anybody say pregnancy before, but maybe. Yeah, I don't, I have no idea. I'm interested, like, I'm interested to see what will happen my next pregnancy and like what that will look like after as well. But I think you just kind of, we'll just have to figure it out as we go along. Yeah. So you're going to do this again. Oh, I'm going to do it again. Yeah, definitely. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I know that the first kind of few weeks of pregnancy are are the critical part, just when the organs and stuff are forming. So mm-hmm. um, I've gotten Ginger, I forget her second name, but I've gotten her book about diabetes and pregnancy. So I'm studying that and I'm trying to prepare myself and we'll just hope for the best. Vieira. And and Jenny's a co-author on that book, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Yep, so, yep. and I know, like, I might actually reach out to them and just see if they've had any similar kind of patients that they might be able to help me along a little bit to navigate it. Um, but yeah, it's just, I suppose it's just totally out of control. Like, I don't know if my blood sugars are going to stay as they are early in pregnancy, if they'll go high, if they'll right. go low. But like, my endo's really good on my diabetes educator. They're a phone call away all the time. So that's reassuring. Mm. Are, have you had that thought? Like, should we sneak a baby in right now before this thing goes haywire? Or would you prefer that you had kind of full-blown type one and you knew how to manage it before you got pregnant? Um, I think we're going to, so I'm going to wait till we come back from Ireland because I don't want to be in another country and having to navigate it. Um, And then we're probably going to, because I'm 35, so I don't want to wait like too much longer. Um, and I think I don't really have a choice. Like I'd probably prefer to be on insulin and navigating it and understand it, but, um, I'd rather like, I want another baby. It took us a little while to get pregnant with my daughter now. So I don't, I don't know how long it would take. So, um, we're just going to jump right into it. Uh Oh, is that, that's not a euphemism. You mean it. You're getting right to it. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Um, wow. Well, good for your husband. I mean, that's nice. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I, I, the last time we made a baby, it happened so quickly. I felt ripped off. 
You're like, like, you just sneezed and it happened. (laughs) I was like, come on, that's not fair. (laughs) Yeah, right. I've heard a few people say that. (laughs) It just felt like a shakedown to me. I was like, uh, never mind. Even if we had just started a number of days later, I might have at least gotten a month out of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It was just too soon. Boom. Pregnant. Great. (laughs) Perfect. All right. Well, anyway, um, I'm waiting for that weekend to come back, too. It's not coming either, Claire. (laughs) No, I know, right? (laughs) You're just too tired all the time. Well, that sounds like your response. I understand. I don't feel that way. (laughs) There's nothing that I could never be too tired, Claire. Do you understand what I'm saying? You can never be too tired. (laughs) No. I've tried to explain before. I, I, I think it's been a long time since I said this, but if I was in the middle of a mall and my mom was there and my wife was like, do you want to have sex? But we have to do it in front of all these people, including your mom. I'd be like, yeah, sure. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure I really I wouldn't. You need to worry about that scenario. <laughs> I, I'm sure I really wouldn't, but I feel like I could is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Nevertheless. It's over now, Claire. I'm old, and the boy's old, and the girl's old, and Arden's going to her prom this weekend. And That's eh. so crazy. It just yeah. goes by so fast. Like, that's the thing that I can't believe about it. Like, one second, you've got a little baby curling up in your chest, and the next minute, they're, I don't know, like, trying to drink out of the toilet bowl or whatever, right? <laughs> like, they just, they're crazy. Well, I can, I can share with you that a couple of weeks ago, my son played his last, uh, undergrad baseball game for college like he might keep playing after this but it was his last college baseball game of his you know his undergraduate his first four years and the next day I woke up Saturday he's still at school and I'm at home and I'm distraught like like genuinely distraught because he's been playing baseball since he was like three and now he's 22 and the and the season ended on a day they didn't think it was going to end on so His last at bat, for example, I didn't know was going to be his last at bat. And I found myself thinking like all the bizarre things that people think like, had I just known I would have, I don't know, I would have watched it differently or like, I don't even know what I would have done, but I felt like I didn't do the right thing because I wasn't aware that it was over. I know it's the parent guilt. Like you feel like you wish. I remember when I, like my daughter was little, I would wish away the middle of the night it's like you'd be up for hours you'd be crying and then it's over and then you're like oh my gosh like I wish I knew that was the last night or like I wish I could have this back again and at the time you're just trying to get through it yeah to your exact point Claire if someone woke me up at two o'clock in the morning tonight in a out of a dead sleep and handed me a six-month-old Cole or Arden it would be the best thing that ever happened to me. Yeah. You know? It's crazy. So I'm so I, I go for a ride the next day to kind of try to clear my head. And on my way home, I pass the field where my son played baseball when he was little, when he was six years old. And it's a park, and I pulled in. And I kind of sat there for a minute. I got out. I went for a, it was a nice day. I went for a walk around the fields. And um, I must have lingered because as I'm going back to my car, this gentleman says to me, can I help you? And he was there with his kid getting ready for a baseball game. And I said, no, I just, um, my son just played his last baseball game. And I'm, I'm just here remembering when he was six. And I pointed to his son. I was like, you're you're like your son's age. And I said, I'm going to say something completely just trite to you that I I said, "It, it goes so much faster than you think it's going to. Yeah. And he's like, I know people say that. And I said, 
you don't know. You know, like I, I don't, I must have sounded, I don't know how I sounded to be perfectly honest with you. I said, I know like cognitively you think you understand what I'm saying, but you don't. And you're going to be standing here before you know it where I am. So, and I'm, you know, I didn't say this, but I, in my mind, I was like, hell, I'm going to be dead. You, you, you know, like, like by the time that kid, that guy's kid is playing his last college baseball game, I'm going to be like 75 and try not to pee before I get to the bathroom, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So anyway, the whole thing sucks, Claire. That's what I'm telling you. <laughs> It's so crazy. Like you spend so much of your life just wishing time away. Like you're always wishing for the next best thing. And then like all of a sudden you're like, whoa, wait a second. Yeah. Time and reality don't jive. Like you you can't make sense of them together. So, and you're never going to know until you know. And when you figure it out, it's going to be too late. So you just have all those, and that's the one thing like with the, the kind of silver lining is that I do appreciate life a lot more now and the little things and just, you know, how important it is to take care of yourself and like, like treat yourself well and don't always be like, wait until you get to the next, be- the next best thing or the next big thing. Like just take it all in because, um, like it just kind of taught me to like value my health a lot more as well. Yeah. I think that people imagine that there's something better or more complete over the horizon. Yeah. And then every time they get to the top of the hill, they see another hill. You just keep moving the goalposts on yourself, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I guess one of the best ways I could explain it is I feel fortunate that I had to hold Arden's hand so much in the middle of the night to check her blood sugar. Yeah. Because I got to see her hand get bigger over time. Yeah, and it's not that's so lovely. Yeah, my husband would be so proud of me now for not loving because I, anytime I hear anything about little kids or anything, I always just get so emotional. He's always laughing at me, but I'm like the love, like your heart just expands so much, like it's crazy. It's an experience that n- people don't have, and I only have it because of diabetes. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I've held my daughter's hand probably almost every day of her life. And, and I've noticed it get heavier and her fingers get longer and it change and look more mature. And it's an experience I have that other people don't get. And most of the people listening to this podcast get to have that experience. But I wonder if they appreciate it. Is it scary for you now seeing her go out into the world, like with the diabetes as well? Or like, I can't imagine my daughter going out into the big bad world, let alone kind of having something to manage like that all the time. I'm excited because I think she can do it. And I'm a little I'm a little confident because I think I can help her if she can't. Yeah. You know, and she's so um like you really don't know Arden, but she's so like forward in a good way. Like she's moving forward constantly. And it doesn't matter if she's got health problems or if things aren't going well, she doesn't sit back and, and curl up in a ball very often. Like she she's yeah. moving forward. She has this thing she's excited about. She's excited to go see if she can learn it. Like she actually picks something to go to college for that I don't know that she's 100% certain is going to work out, but she's going to go try. And my only concern at this point is that the things that she doesn't know about diabetes because they only happen when she's asleep that I 
that there's no good way to explain them to her. Like, I'm still looking for the way to explain to her that once a month, for reasons that I still can't nail down, her blood sugar goes into the 50s and it won't move. Yeah. And that I have to give her more carbs than normal to get it back up. And that this is a thing that happens at two o'clock in the morning and she's going to need to do that. And that she'll be tired the next day. Um, and that if she overtreats the low, it's going to, it'll ruin the entire next day. And like, like, I, I don't know if I should just let her experience it and then hope that she adjusts to it. Or if I should try to explain it to her ahead of time, I think I'm going to try to explain these things. So at least when they happen, maybe she's like, oh, this is the thing he talked about with the getting low, you, you know, or something like that. But overall, I'm not nearly as upset as I as I imagined I was going to be when she was younger, which is, again, what we're talking about here. Like, I, I was, you know, I think there's an episode of the podcast that I titled Worry is a Waste of Imagination, because when you're worrying about something, unless it's literally standing in front of you, if it, you're imagining a thing that you think might happen. And very often, it they never happen. And you waste now worrying about later. And then when you get to later, there's a real thing to worry about that's not the thing you imagined. And I think I did that with diabetes a little bit. And I don't know okay, that... It's hard not to do that, though. Like, I think you need... Like, and you're saying about Arden as well, and like, what a go-getter she is. Like, that's credit to you and your wife as well, right? Because she got that from somewhere, right? I don't know. You think, Claire? I don't know. I, don't know. I well, I hope. Like, I don't know. Maybe it might be better for my daughter not to pick up on some of my habits now that I say it out loud. But. <laughs> when my when my wife and I had kids, and we talked about we were young, we used to talk to each other, and um, we and we used to and we would be like, "What are we? What are our goals here for Cole?" You know, when he was young, and I and I said, "I just don't want him to be an asshole." Yeah. You, you know, and she's like, "What do you mean?" I said, "I said when a group of people stand together and they disperse." I don't want them to look at him and think, ah, that kid's a dick. He was but, the one. Yeah. yeah. Like, like yeah. that's, I say, I think that's my, my real thought here is that I don't know where he's going to go or what he's going to be or how he's going to turn out, but wherever that goes and whatever that ends up being, I just hope he does it nicely. Yeah, no, I get that for yeah. sure. That would be my hope as well. Right now, though, with an 18-month-old, my hope is just to keep her safe every day because there is no surface on the house that is safe. She's climbing on everything. Oh, She's yeah. crapping everything. Trying to so run her head into things. Like, yeah. Yeah, just, you know, I'm one step away from wrapping her in bubble wrap. <laughs> Do you think she hears you and thinks... That lady sounds like a leprechaun. <laughs> oh, probably. She like she's my mini. Like my husband, like I'll be saying something about her, and he's like, "Yeah, like the apple did not fall far from mm -hmm. the tree. Like uh -huh. this is your attitude all over." That's so, so nice. Um, it'll, it's nice now when she's like seventeen. It won't be as nice. No, but, it will um, be horrific. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You'll, you'll be standing there going like, "Oh my god!" I sometimes I look at my wife and I just laugh. And I'm I like, know. and I think to myself, like, does she not see this in herself? Probably not, yeah. right? You know, or or whatever it ends up being. Uh, uh, listen, I'll tell you, my kids are are generally really decent people, and it's still very hard. Oh, it, I can imagine. Yeah, you just like it's I, everything is a new phase, right? You think like, oh, like the pregnancy is hard, and the birth is hard, and then you're like, no, that's actually not the hard part. <laughs> no, you know, I don't know if you heard a few weeks ago, Jen came on. It's an After Dark episode. She talked about her son, Nolan, who passed away uh, from an overdose. And, no, I didn't hear that. And I, all I could think while she was talking is like, 
well, this lady got it like from all sides. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it, it's not just the, I mean, cause raising kids is hard enough, but then you add, um, I mean, the poor kid had, um, I think he had bipolar disorder and yeah. he was addicted and, and you just think like, how are you supposed to manage that? You know, yeah. like, how do you get back? I can't from imagine. It's, it's something, you know? Uh, and especially when you, everyone starts out the way you are right now. Look at me. I'm like, I'm putting in your head your kid's going to do heroin. I'm not, I don't mean it like that, but I'll make you cry, Claire. Stay on the podcast five more minutes. I'll just be howling on the podcast. <laughs> she's just like, so just drugs. And I'm like, and she's, but she's like 18 months old. I'm like, yeah, but, you know. uh, but, but, but being really serious, like, like Jen had a great outlook and her episode's terrific if you haven't heard it. Uh, but I just thought like, I mean, how many things can you stack up against the person put to this boy? Like how many things were stacked yeah. up against him and then her as a parent? And, you know, at what point do you just say to yourself, like, I don't know how to get back from this even, you know, and just the strength that she has to come on and speak about it and like help other people. Like it's, I don't know. I can't imagine like what that would be like ever. Yeah. It, after I got done with her, I thought I'm so grateful people do this and I don't know why they do it. Like there's like, like no, no lie, Claire. I'm don't it's may now in 2022, just for context. I don't think I can, I just booked somebody on the podcast the other day for 10 months from now. Like that's how far out you have to go if you want to be on the podcast. And then after you record it, it takes six months for your episode to come out. And there's no shortage of people who want to come tell their stories. Well, and people probably like you probably don't realize the impact that you have had on people and like it changes people's life, right? Like if you go from a place that you're really dark and you're kind of like you feel like you're always failing and you don't have that quality of life to just like you help people so much and everyone that comes on helps people. And I think like people just want to pay it for it because it makes such an impact on their life. Right. Yeah. It's wonderful. Like It, it really is because like, the podcast is, it doesn't exist anymore without people. Yeah. And, you, you know, like it's, I, I mean, how long, if you hear me back in like the third season, you'll hear me muse out loud. Like, I don't know how long I can keep this going. And like, I know you guys like it and it's helping you, but I mean, how many things could I possibly say? And it just occurred to me along the way. I was like, people's stories are like the core of the show. Yeah. Y and know. they're relatable. And like, you probably don't realize as well, like it's probably just the smallest little thing that means nothing to you could change somebody else's life. Right. Like, you know, I like, doesn't, yeah, I see that about, about it. Uh, that's why I think conversational is the way to go. That's why I think not pre-planning. It's the way to go. And it's why I don't give the show specific titles. Because if I make yours Lada during pregnancy, then only pregnant people are going to listen to it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, and look at all the really, like, myriad of things we've spoken about today. And so, I don't know what I'll end up calling this episode. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, we've got, like, leprechauns, Shrek, parenting yeah. advice. Yeah, there's nowhere to go. <laughs> really like, got yeah. into, yeah. Claire, you're magically delicious. Maybe I'll just say <laughs> that, okay? And and so um, I don't know, but whatever it is, I won't name this show something that will stop someone from hearing the conversation. And, yeah. And I think that, I think that you have to just, like, the, there's no lie, 20 minutes into this, like, I've been making the show a long time, right? And 20 minutes into this or so, I thought, there's not enough here about diabetes to fill an hour. 
Oh yeah. Right. Like it's just, I have to learn about Claire. Like that's what I thought. Like I have to learn about Claire now and see where this goes because I mean, it's the only way it becomes valuable to people because otherwise it's you coming on and going, Hey, I got pregnant. And then it turns out I had diabetes crazy. My blood sugar got low a little bit. And uh, now we're waiting for it to, you know, happen all the way up again. Yeah. Yeah, I'll see you. Like, what's that? Eight minutes, you know? So, I, I mean, I really think that it's the little moments that you can't title that end up being the most help to people. And, and I only know that because I get so many, I get so much like contact from people. They send me like letters and notes and write to me online and things like that. And the things that they tell me they loved, I'm always like, oh, wow. Like somebody heard that, you know, like that 30 seconds in the middle of that episode, they they heard that. That's That's really cool. So everyone needs something different. And hopefully that whatever they need exists inside of these conversations somewhere. Well, yeah, that's the the whole point. And like, for me, I find as well, it's just like finding someone that is, you know, relatable that has the same, like, we're all just going around living our lives. Like, it's just, it's nice to know you're not on your own. I think sometimes as well. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. It's uh, not feeling alone is a big part of this. And you're in a scenario where the people who are actually around you I mean, the likelihood that your neighbor's going to have type one as well, or I mean, geez, where are you going to find another person with Lada? You, you know, I don't know. yeah. If there's anybody out there. <laughs> Nobody's <laughs> coming to Canada. Claire. To, Stop um, it. I would love to know somebody that was in the same situation as me and then got like pregnant again. Like for me, that's I would love to find somebody that had that story just to to hear like how they navigated that. But I mean, it's like finding a needle in a haystack, right? Well, you've come to the right place because yesterday's show is with Susan, and Susan is now very good friends with another person who's been on the podcast previously, and they found each other through the podcast. Oh, cool. So maybe you'll get one. Maybe nice. we'll find you a lot of pregnancy that um that that reaches out and says hello, but you're not are you on social media? I am. Yeah, okay. I am. Are I'm you in my group? I'm in your group. How come I and can't my find name you? is spelt in Irish, so my surname is different. That's how you tricked me. Yeah. Because I tried to look earlier to see if you were very pale and short. And <laughs> well, I think I'm covered in fake tan in my profile picture. So. Wait, you're, you're, you're covered in what? Fake tan? <laughs> fake tan, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have to be honest with you, I did not hear fake tan the first time you said it. <laughs> oh Jesus, I, do I want to know what you <laughs> I don't even know what you said. I was like, what is okay. she saying? And then all of a sudden I think I thought, I think she said fake tan. I was like, where did I get that from? Oh my gosh. Um well it's good. So we, when we post your episode, you know, six months from now, you if you want to jump into that into that thread and say, Hey, look, that's me. I'm looking for people if you're here, maybe you'll find somebody. I listen, there's a story in that Facebook page recently of a person walking out of a Costco wearing a juice box podcast sweatshirt and someone looked them in the face and said, I listen to that podcast too. How crazy it's, is that? Yeah, it's cool. Like I feel like um, even cause I ran into somebody the other day and they were wearing like a Libra and I was like, Oh, I've got my text come on. And it's like, you just kind of, bump. it's a great conversation starter. Yeah, no, it's, it's the only way you can find people sometimes too. Like, like, don't get me wrong. If, you know, if, if a guy walking out of a Costco was wearing a, a, a Joe Rogan t-shirt and somebody else said, I listen to Joe Rogan, I'd go, yeah, well, like sort of like 15 million other people, like that makes sense. 
but just two people who listen to a podcast about diabetes randomly walking past each other, it made me think, it made me think one time, my wife asked me, she goes, do you ever sit in crowded places and think, I wonder if someone in here would recognize my voice? And I have thought that before. Like I, I you have a very distinctive voice as well. Like I feel like, yeah. But you know what I mean? Like, like even like bigger picture, like it does, is there a person, like I make this thing in a room and I put it on the internet. Like, is there a person here who's heard it? Like, you know what I mean? And it's happened. Like I've been approached in airports and, and places like that before, but it's an odd feeling to look around and think I might be doing something that's valuable for someone in here. Might like you are doing and like all over the world, like that must be a strange feeling to think that like you start in a little room and like now you're helping people the other side of the world that you've never met, right? It is an odd feeling. Yeah, I, I would not be able to tell you otherwise. It's um, it's uh, I was I was writing with well, I've become friends with Charlotte Drury, um, who was on the show recently, and we've been texting, and yeah, and now. Many, many teenage girls who hear this are like, that's not fair. I want to be, <laughs> I want to be friends with Charlotte, but you can't be, I am. So that's it. Uh, but we were, we were talking back and forth and she found some stuff I was doing online. She was telling me what she thought of it. And um, I told her, like, I said, my overarching goal is to just change the way like people think about diabetes, like, yeah. th- like people, and then maybe to one day have an impact on how doctors talk to people about diabetes. Like that's how I think of the show like that. If, if I have like a, like a master plan, it's that I don't know if I'll ever bring it to fruition or not, but then day to day, I just want to help people. And I think if I can keep helping people day to day, that maybe that bigger goal could maybe come true one day. So yeah, it's like the little steps, Hey, to get to the bigger the bigger picture. Yeah. Well, yeah, you're doing like, I mean, you've helped me and then I've given the juice box podcast name to anybody that I hear of. So, and I think that's lovely as well that everybody just spreads the word and it doesn't really matter like how you feel or what support you need. It's just that like everybody seems to, to genuinely want to help everybody else. There's no stupid questions. There's no stupid feelings. Like it's everyone just seems to be really supportive, which is, you know, that's the way the world should be. Right. Yeah. No, I'm insanely proud of how that Facebook page works as an example. Like it turns out that if you all like when people listen to the podcast, they get a similar feeling about diabetes. Then when they come together there, there's less of that um, kind of bad advice you can see online yeah. sometimes, you yeah. know, um, and people know when they don't know when they lay back which is also really helpful. Anyway, listen, Claire, you're right. I'm terrific. I hear what you're trying to say. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate you saying You're welcome. I'm going to go downstairs now to the people who I'm related to who do not think I'm terrific in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And one day that little bundle of joy you raise will probably not care about you either. <laughs> I know. Oh, my gosh. Like, Yeah. <laughs> I can't imagine what that's like. All like the the thing now is like I'm like bouncing around and I've got like Peppa songs in my head constantly. So. <laughs> Peppa Pig. Oh, Arden had a Peppa Pig uh, birthday once, but I think it was ironic because she was older. Oh, she was older, and I, my daughter is obsessed with Peppa Pig. Like okay. I don't know why she chose Peppa out of everyone she could choose, but it's Peppa. That's amazing. All right, um, I want to thank you very much for doing this. I want to ask you if there's anything we didn't talk about that we should have. 
No, I don't think so. Thank you for letting me do it. Are you kidding me? This is amazing. I didn't know you were going to have this accent. You made my whole day. Um, for clarity, I believe the episode is going to be called HBA1C. All right. Okay. <laughs> uh, one more time, just for everybody. HBA1C. Yeah, that's what I'm going with. I like, I have to hear like myself say it and I record because <laughs> I don't know how I'm saying it. Yeah. Uh, well, that's the best part of asking you to say it over and over again because I think your brain hears HBA1C. <laughs> well, it's like I don't say three, I say tree. Like, I think it's just an Irish thing. We pronounce things differently. You said thanks uh, oddly thanks. a second ago. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of like when I moved to Canada first, I would be saying words and people would not know what I was talking about. So, um, yeah, it's funny when you hear hear it from people the other side of the ocean. Right. Mm -hmm. Hey, real quick. You have a different perspective because you lived in Ireland, right? Yeah. OK. The, the um, icy hellscape that I describe when I talk about Canada. Am I anywhere near being right? It's colder in Ireland when it's like minus one or two than it is in Canada when it's minus 15 in Alberta, because mm -hmm. Alberta is really dry and Ireland's really humid and wet and okay. the cold goes through you. But yeah, when it's like minus 30, it's not, it's horrible. Right. And have you ever seen a beaver just walking down the street or anything like that? I No, but there's like deer will cross the road and we get like um bobcats and stuff in oh, our gardens sometimes. okay well then there's i'm right bears. okay good, yeah. no, good enough yeah. i'm right let's just say i'm right then okay uh deer and bobcats minus yeah. 30 degrees frozen hellscape okay i've got it well i'll tell you a story like my dad laughs so hard because in ireland there's like lots of farms and there's cows and there's sheep and everything so we were hiking out here one day and we thought we seen a bear and then we were kind of like, okay, like it's a bear, like this isn't ideal, but we've got our bear spray. We kind of know what to do. It wasn't a bear. It was a gang of cows in the middle of the far, like the forest in the mountains. We had not got a clue what to do. Like we were kind of shimmying past them, afraid they would attack us. So my dad like laughed so hard when he heard that because I grew up around cows. Wait, mountain cows? Just like regular cows. I don't know what they were doing in the middle of like the mountains. Come on, Canada. Get it together. It was really yeah. strange. Get, yeah. your, get your cows where they belong. Uh, exactly. There was someone on recently from Ireland who talked about those long-haired cows that lived in the woods near her house. Oh, gosh. I don't know what they are. Uh, I forget now. She's been on twice, and I love her, and I can't think of her name off the top of my head. I'm so disappointed. Actually, you know what? She was on episode 10 originally. 10? Okay, yep. I'm going to look that up. Her name's, it's called Teddy's Mom. She's Anne. And I don't think I made the next episode <laughs> easy to find. I don't know if that makes you, uh, if, that, if, if that comes as a surprise to you or not, anybody listening, I don't know which one, but she was just on in the last couple of months, again, to, to revisit, because it was really interesting to have her back on. Like, she was on the 10th episode of the podcast. Like, I made a podcast in 2015, and this woman reached out, and she's like, I'd like to be on your podcast. And back then, try to imagine, I was like, I barely have a podcast, but okay. And then 
eight years later, she was back on the show again. That's so crazy. I'm going to find that episode and listen to it next. Okay. All right. Anyway, long-haired cows. That's what I heard when she was talking. Maybe I'm wrong. You know. They are, yeah. I don't drink during the <laughs> podcast, so I trust my memory on this. So, All right, Claire. This was wonderful. Okay. Thank you. Hold on one second, okay? Sure. Well, I want to thank Claire, first of all. She was absolutely just delightful. I also want to thank Touched by Type 1 and remind you to find them on Facebook, Instagram, and at touchedbytype1.org. They really are an absolutely amazing organization, and I, I do want you to go check them out. Of course, Athletic Greens, right? They make AG1. It's a green drink that tastes good, that's got all the vitamins and goodness in it that you need. Athleticgreens.com forward slash juice box. I use it every day. I actually think you'll like it. And that's why they're a sponsor. So go check them out. Athleticgreens.com forward slash juice box. Hey, um, I'm doing a survey about the podcast. It's uh, pretty cool. And it just sort of tracks what people think of the show as far as their diabetes and health. Basically, you know, is the show helping you? Are your doctors helping you more? You know, where are you getting your your best support from? It's a great little survey. We put it together ourselves. It already has over 500 responses, and I have not spoken about it yet on the podcast. I've so far just made it available through the private Facebook group, but now I would like to tell the people listening to the podcast to see if you're interested in going and filling out the survey. It's just telling me about the different series, what you think of them, you're rating your doctors, the podcast, other diabetes help. This information goes nowhere. It's completely anonymous if you want it to be. You don't have to put your information in to connect you to it. Um, but that's it. I'm just doing a survey to see how the podcast is going. If uh, the data proves out, we might share it with some doctor's offices, show them how the podcast helps people so that maybe they'll take a look at it. And uh, probably use some of the data on social media posts and things like that. We're just trying to let more people know about the Juice Box podcast, and your answers to these questions will help me do that. So now here's the thing: the link's a little um, is a little funky. It's <clears throat> yeah, I'm gonna put it in the show notes for you because it's like s dot surveyplanet.com forward slash wg. JVFXDX, and I don't think you're going to remember that. So I'll just put the link right in the player for you here. I hope you guys check it out. It would be uh, really cool if you could take the time. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back very soon with another episode of the Juice Box Podcast.